0: Some people might say coffee doesn't need chocolate, but you're not some people. You're a dreamer. You see the possibilities of chocolate and caramel flavors swirling together with cold brew, topped with velvety chocolate cold foam and cocoa caramel crumbles. That imagination can only be rewarded with Dunkin's new caramel chocolate cold brew. It's a cold brew dream come true. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer terms apply.
1: In response to Greg, it's Andrews. Fa- it's, it's Odor falling down. I mean, come on. <laughs> what else could it be? If, I, if I'm if i Hunter Strickland, the next time Buster Bosey's pitching, he calls a curveball. I'm throwing a fastball.
0: It could have been worse. Their third base coach was compassionate and didn't keep wheeling guys in to score <laughs> and welcome to artificial turf wars episode number 59 where championships are won on run differential alone i am your host greg wazniewski and i am joined to th- this week by joshua housem hello josh hey and special guest third man in booth nick Dyka. nick how's it going Hey, I'm great. Good to have you on board for this uh, this edition. Uh, we are recording in an afternoon, so we don't have any results from the Tuesday game, which is just fine because that means we had a five and one week between last podcast and this podcast, which were oh
1: yeah, yeah, we're
0: gonna have to talk <laughs> about that. <laughs> um we got some of the big hitters back into the lineup so we don't have to talk about triple a hitting problems uh we got the very hot devin travis the also hot jose bautista to talk about who've been in the you know obviously the whole time um the rotation might be a puzzle with an extra piece shortly uh we're gonna make fun of the rangers because they don't seem to know how to play baseball when they get to toronto there is a non-blue jays related baseball brawl that's certainly worth a few minutes of our time we have questions from you uh we do have a do-over And then we uh, we'll see what else we get to. I think that about sums it up. So yeah, five and uh, one—the big cheer. I heard it from you, Josh. Uh, I'm assuming you're also cheering Nick for five and one.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely.
0: Did we think either of us, uh, any of us, that we would get to a five and one week anytime soon?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Didn't they have one that was five and two recently when we were on the podcast? Just because of the timing.
0: Yes. Yeah, I think so. I think it was like the. Last week in April, first week in May, that they yeah were when they rattled off the
1: five game winning streak, then lost the next two games.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, it's, oh, go ahead.
2: Oh, I was just gonna say it, this kind of play is almost like a necessity with uh, with how bad they were in April. Um, it was, you know, I know I know that it's not necessarily indicative of what's going to happen in the future, but uh, they needed a week like this just. Just to make the next couple months watchable, you know, regardless yep. of of what happened.
0: Yeah, you you can't uh, you got to start digging up at some point uh, if you spend yeah. a month digging down. <laughs> uh, I, I know it's a, well we're gonna probably get into this as the go the podcast mm-hmm. goes, but it's a long season. Yes, uh, they they did themselves so few favors, and then they even the first couple weeks of May were kind of, you know. I, I, I guess what you expected out of the team, sort of a little bit better than 500. So they need they need a winning streak or whatever passes for one, you know, 12 or 14 or something. Um, so that was fueled, I think, by the come they returned to the lineup of Josh Donaldson and Troy Tulawitzky. Now I have a question for you, Josh. Did you find it odd that they reintroduced them both and then immediately both gave, gave them
1: both a day off instead of one of them? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and as someone who attended that middle game, I was not happy about it. <laughs> it was a little weird. I mean, I get it a little more with Donaldson just because he didn't play as many rehab games. But Chula was down there rehabbing for a couple of weeks and playing in back-to-backs. He can't do it in the big leagues. I, th-
0: I thought, like, don't if you're going to do that, don't you sort of make sure one of them is always in the lineup instead of just going right back to where you were <laughs> anyway? <laughs>
1: Mm. Gibbons has been doing that ever since he took over We saw this a so bunch last year too He's like, oh, Tula needs a day off, Martin needs a day off And someone else, I mean, they all get the day off on the same day Instead of staggering them It's like, well, we'll just throw this game Instead of trying to maybe win a few of them with a lesser chance
0: <laughs> White And then, of course they won
1: the game on Saturday
0: <laughs> So, uh, John Gibbons was getting criticized for some weird decisions Do you think that fades now that he has the good players back, Nick?
2: um well it depends if he's asking them to bunt because i mean with with donaldson and tulo out travis was i guess batista was hot too but travis was one of the probably like the two or three best hitters on the team so um i hope it fades because he's not asking anybody to do it but um i don't know i guess it it kind of all depends on how the how they're doing again and because I was surprised to see Travis do it, to him ask Travis to bunt. So it wouldn't, I don't know. It wouldn't shock me, I guess. Uh, Just given, given penchant for doing peculiar things.
1: Although bunting specifically is not something he's ever done a whole lot of to the point that the foolish local talking heads started criticizing him for not bunting. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm not too worried about that. And the other thing was his usage of the bullpen, which I think the emergence of guys like, Tapera Barnes, even Aaron Loop has been really good. The fact that those guys can be counted on now, I think it'll make his bullpen management a lot simpler too. It's like, oh, you just need to go to Roberto Osuna for five outs.
0: Yeah, yeah. it was almost I'm... like he was maybe hunting for a guy who could get him out and he kept coming up with, you know, nobody. And then he got a little gun shy the next night or, or something. I, I think I think John Gibbon's biggest flaw as a, a manager is he really does think in small sample sizes and short spans of time which i understand you have to win the game that you're in but but on the flip side i think he gets discouraged uh, but, and or encouraged not necessarily rightly by a hitter who's been like you know four for seven with a home run against some guy then then all of a sudden he's hmm. up in the third or fourth spot or the fourth or fifth spot in the lineup where he really shouldn't be
1: yeah yeah that's definitely been the case
0: Do you think anybody can tell John Gibbons that maybe that's not the best?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I mean, if he hasn't learned the message now,
0: (laughs) it's it's one of the things you live with. I mean, there there are definitely worse managers. I would I would uh, I don't know. John Farrell comes to mind as a guy who drove drove us crazy (laughs) with you know the make it happen offense when it didn't really need to be happening that way.
2: And in Gibbon's defense, you know he could probably say, "I'm going to give you Barney Goins, Coglin, and Carrera. You put them in an order that makes them <laughs> good hitters." And he he did he didn't have much to work with. A lot of May. So,
0: do you wonder if John was actually playing that beat the streak when uh, when he picked <laughs> Carrera and Pilar won two?
1: <laughs> that was actually a pseudonym. That guy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
0: John Gibbons' other account. Oh. So, uh, obviously, Josh Donaldson, he doubled in his first plate appearance back and hasn't looked like he's missed a beat. Troy Tulowitzki's hit a grand slam. Um, but they are not the Blue Jays' best hitters. The Blue Jays' best hitters. I would, I'm would. i going to bring this Fangraphs page up now. I'm going to read you by weighted WRC+, my favorite grab-all statistic, um, for the f- top five... Hitters in baseball in May: Mike Trout, obviously, Carlos Correa, who we all know is very good, Aaron Judge, who I have probably heard enough about now, Jose Bautista, and Devin Travis. They're literally That's the- a pretty
1: yeah good list. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and if you trickle on down to number thirteen, there's Justin Smoke.
1: Ooh, so Justin Smoke, who by one mer- version of war leads the team. <laughs>
0: Uh, for the year, I assume. This is just May.
1: Yes, yes, for the for the season.
0: So, what's going to happen next, Josh? Do do they do they stay this hot?
1: Ah, oh, uh, I mean, no. It's mm-hmm. <laughs> it's pretty hard to stay as hot as those guys have been, especially Batista and Travis. But I think that the fact that the whole lineup is back will help everybody. Just more guys on base, it's a lot i mean hitting with runners on base is not a not a, a real thing and not a skill necessarily, but the more times you have runners on base, the harder it is for the pitcher pitching out of the stretch is not the same as pitching from the full
0: well yeah absolutely and and when you have a runner on on first, your mistake of allowing a double can allow a run very easily. Whereas when there's nobody on base, because the, the first two guys made the outs, well, a double's a double and you move on. So yeah, everything multiplies in, in office. But
1: I wasn't even talking about the actual run scoring aspect. I'm talking about actually the pitches that they're going to see to hit. You get better pitches when the runner's on base because the pitcher has to throw differently.
0: Ooh. Has anybody studied that
1: in depth? Yeah, they have. And there is actually a real effect. It's not a huge one, but it exists. And for some pitchers, it's a, it's an extreme effect. Brandon, it really does vary for pitcher to pitcher. Brandon Morrow was one.
2: Yeah, he. I remember because he was always a pitcher where his FIP differed greatly from his ERA. And I, re, I was reading on Fangraphs, they were talking to a scout about it. And the scout was saying, explaining that what was actually happening is Morrow couldn't pitch from the stretch. He couldn't get the same life on his pitches. He, I I think he said his velocity dipped slightly. And he, he said that was Morrow's really big problem and and why the scout at least expected that that difference between FIP and his ERA would never actually reconcile.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and And, he had the inability to get the ground ball too, right, for like a whole season. So he did have to adjust his pitch mix just to get the occasional ground ball to try and help himself out in that situation to get less runners, you know, like more double plays, et cetera, et cetera.
1: Yeah, but veering off, you know, before varying off too far into the specific, just when it comes back to the Blue Jays. So the more guys you have in your lineup, the better each player should hit, which is basically what happened in 2015. When everybody was hitting, you had like Ryan Goins putting up career best numbers.
0: Ah, yes, Ryan Goins. But we won't, <laughs> we won't go to him right now because we don't have to because he's not going to be playing every day.
1: Or <laughs> well, um... hopefully at all.
0: I have a friend who loves Ryan Goins, and I pointed out that Ryan Goins cannot hit, and he goes, yeah, but I love that guy. I'm like, ah, that's where we are. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the Blue Jays had a essentially a three-man rotation, four, I guess, if you want to include Mr. Bolsinger, um, and now it looks like maybe they're going to have a six-man rotation soon, hopefully.
1: Go ahead, Nate.
2: Yeah, I... I guess with, uh, with Liriano and Hap coming back, they're going to have more pitchers than they have spots in the rotation. Um, but, you know, it is an old kind of cliche that these things work themselves out. Mm. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't be... Unfortunately, you know, pitchers do get hurt and pitchers are often ineffective. So it wouldn't surprise me if six become five uh, by, no, by no action of the Jays uh, in the next little bit. And then I guess they'll be, they'll be happy that Biagini has been so good and they, they do have, you know, depth in, in, or at least a little bit of depth in an area that they, I guess, was a question mark going into the season. Um,
1: yeah. Well, I mean, the issue isn't yet. I mean, with Liriano and Hap, they still only have five guys because bosinger would just leave the rotation. The issue will become when Sanchez gets back, which, as you mentioned, like, there's still a very good chance that Ne- at no point in the near future all those five guys are healthy but the, the question I have more for you guys I don't know if we actually had a question on this but uh, if we did I'm sorry for answering this now but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, who? Would, what would you do if everybody comes back you know the, the original five of Sanchez, Estrada, Hap, Diariano and Strowman are all healthy along with Biagini
2: I guess for me the if I was playing manager I would put Liriano in the bullpen he seems to be the one whose stuff would play up most in like a short burst of relief um and and he's also the the walks which I'd rather have him implode in like an inning in relief than in the second inning of a game where he digs the team a a four or five run deficit early on so I, I think if I had to pick one I'd put Liriano in the pen
0: for me, it depends on how deep Joe Biagini is going into games. If, if Joe is getting into the 6th and 7th in the next couple starts without any you know major hiccups, then I actually was thinking the same kind of thing as, uh, as Nick. But if Joe shows that either he's using too many pitches or he's getting into trouble and he's only getting into the 5th, the well, then you might as well... That's what you're going to get from Liriano as well. Might as well put Liriano where he's comfortable and move Biagini back into the bullpen and and see what happens because you know Biagini can be really dominant in the bullpen, whereas Liriano is kind of a question mark. It may or may not work out. That's for me.
1: Yeah. For me, I, it's the opposite. I mean, well, more what you, what you ended up with there, Greg. I, I would even consider sending Biagini to the minors just to stay stretched out. But I don't want Liriano anywhere near the bullpen because as we've seen even this season – Liviano, every now and then, will just have an outing where he gives up five runs in an inning. And if you're doing that out of the bullpen, it's a loss. The game is over. But if you do that in the first inning, your team has time to come back. And that's actually what happened. Liviano twice. Wasn't he given up like eight runs in two and a third innings or something, and the Jays won both games?
0: Uh Mm-hmm.
1: That's true. So that's my worry with with the guy in the pen, that the volatility plays up so much more.
0: And we don't have to worry about that until Aaron Sanchez comes back. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, so Hap has been officially activated for tonight. Is that?
1: Well, he hasn't been officially activated yet, but he has. It has been. He has been listed as today's starter. They'll make a move closer to the game time, even possibly while we're recording this. Either Dominic Lillian will go down, or Chris Coghlan will go in the DL. Because
0: Chris Coghlan has had back spasms before the game yesterday, which opened the door for Ezekiel Carrera to remove any doubt that uh he will he will cause John Gibbons to have second thoughts every time he wants to take him out of the lineup now. <laughs> 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 he had four hits on a day he wasn't supposed to play.
2: Reds pitching is good for what ails you.
0: Oh, yeah. Especially yesterday's Reds pitching. Uh we got what was it, Bonilla was the the starter? Yep. who gave up six runs and ended up giving up less runs than the first reliever, Stevenson, who came in after him?
1: <laughs> it was an ugly one. Uh, as well, they were observed- the first team since, like, 1914, I can't remember, to have two relievers give up 10 hits. Uh,
0: as observed by, I believe, James NTO on Twitter, uh, the Jays are now 1-0 and in 15-run games.
1: Not bad. Not
0: bad. <laughs> You've got to build on the 15-run. You definitely yeah. don't want to be 0-1 in 15-run games. That's just embarrassing. <laughs> uh, so b- before we talk any more about the, the the blowout from Cincinnati, I did want to go back to the Rangers series and ask the question, do do, do you actually think, and I'll, I'll throw this to Nick first, that the Rangers, some of their players, uh, tighten up or or have a problem Playing fundamental baseball by coming into Toronto.
2: I mean, it's hard for me to say to like comment on something like you know the psychological state of a MLB player with any kind of certainty. If I can float a conspiracy theory, or, or not really conspiracy theory, but a alternative theory, is maybe they're not used to playing on AstroTurf. Like maybe that's what's causing guys like Andrews and. I, I know Beltre didn't play this series but you know when they played in the division series he had some problems is is it I'm wondering if it's just the different playing surface that is causing these guys problems um because yeah I I mean I guess they could be the Jays could be in their in their heads as well but um you, you know there's always the I I'm kind of of the the Keith Law school of the, like these guys that have had to exhibit mental toughness from when they were probably like you know 13 years old and playing on hyper competitive travel teams and trying to get drafted and make it to the show there's there's so many i i feel like there is something to the idea that there there's so many mental tests that you have to pass to get to the majors that once you're there it's probably they're probably pretty resilient against that stuff but
0: so what was the most patently ridiculous play for you in that series? Was it the dropped pop-up, which I don't think was actually a drop pop-up, but it was called as a drop pop-up on Ryan Goins, flip to Devin Travis, throw to first, and, and get the guy because he was rounding first for <laughs> some inexplicable reason? Was it the uh, Rugnet Odor, I'm just going to play and fall down halfway to first base? <laughs> um, yeah. I'm trying to remember. Was There no- there was another one that they threw
1: something um, away. Well, Andrews made another. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I like so I think that there could be something to, Andrew's getting in his own head a bit. I mean, yeah, these guys have done this all the way up, but they're still human beings. Like if you make a bunch of key errors against the same team in the same situations, every time you make another one, it could compel on you a bit. Like, am I just snake bit? Am I doing something wrong? Like should I should I be playing differently on this turf? You know, even if it's all actually the same. But in response to Greg, it's Andrew's it's it's Odor falling down. I mean, come <laughs> on. <laughs> what else could it be? I would
0: say for Poetic Justice, obviously that's that's the one. I think also Odor uh, hitting a three-run home run that did not quite tie the game up and then giving the stare down into the dugout, it was sort of like, well, okay, you could do that, I guess, if you want. But you didn't you didn't win you the l- game.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Gregor Chisholm had a great tweet. It's like eventually the Rangers are going to have to s- winning some of these games for <laughs> it to be called a rivalry. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's certain. <laughs> uh, I was fascinated, though, by the dropped pop-up Uh because of all the things that happen in about three seconds is mm-hmm. Goins drops it. Um, Then Travis gestures for the ball. He gets the ball and he's just about to flip it to the third baseman and he must have heard the umpire saying no catch or someone screaming at him that it, it was... You know, fair ball or whatever.
1: Yeah, throw to first.
0: Yeah, and then he has the presence of mind to instantly turn around and whip a ball, and I'm like, most guys would be like, "What do you mean, first, huh?" Whips the ball. He throws it accurately, <laughs> and then <laughs> I have no idea why the the runner whose name eludes me at the moment was no, rounding first. Why was Mazzara rounding first? How could he possibly well, get to second on that play?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. He booked it out of the box on the pop up. But it's like, no, no, you shouldn't do that because if he did drop it, you're going to be out at second. (laughs) Exactly. It's
0: like, even if it's dropped, they're just going to wait for you at second. What do you. I don't know. It was so weird. There were so many things. Too much
1: watching Willie Mays Hayes for Major League. (laughs) Uh,
0: That's our weekly uh, Major League reference for those keeping score at home.
1: We're at four Uh, weeks in a row now. (laughs) (laughs) We
0: might be. Uh, well, anytime they want to come and play that badly, fundamentally, uh, I'm all for that because it resulted in a sweep. Booyah. No, it didn't. No, no. Well, yeah, sorry. No, they they went lose... out of three. How did they lose three one? How did they? Yeah. Well, they made To Andrew
2: card. Kashner, too. To Andrew Kashner. Um, yeah. I, I remember it was only a few years ago. We were all talking about the potential Andrew Kashner to the Blue Jays, um, very excitedly.
1: Yeah, then his arm fell off again, and people realized that he sucks. Yeah,
2: <laughs> except on Sunday, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, well, obviously they made up for it on Monday. Um, <laughs> any any highlights, Josh, from from that game that I we haven't alluded to yet? I mean, there were seventeen runs. It takes a
1: while. To yeah, get we didn't dribble. even touch on the Brewers series either, which was it was just <laughs> nice to go into, into Milwaukee and take two from them after they took two from the Jays early in the season. But as for the 17-2 game, I mean, what else can you say? They just destroyed them. Everybody hit except for Pilar, who was 0 for 6.
0: Which is still a little embarrassing. Uh, Devin Travis drove in a run in the 7th and in the 8th. That was after they stopped trying to do things. Um, Amazing. like That that, that kind of game doesn't come along very often at all. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to treasure that for a little while.
1: Oh, all right—a right, fun, a fun piece of trivia. You might you probably saw this tweeted out at some point, and people listening Probably have already heard this, but Travis and Carrera both had four hits. What was the? La- Who were the hitters to do that in the last time the Jays did it?
0: Two hitters had oh. four hits in the same game. Um, I did not see the tweet. Alex Rios.
1: No. No, was wrong. was Homer Bush one of them? Nope. Josh Tolley and Munenori Kawasaki. <clears throat> <laughs> oh.
0: Uh, that rivals the fred lewis uh record that travis eclipsed (laughs) this month (laughs) oh my goodness that's that's really weird um i i got a question about
2: travis kind of while while we're talking about him for someone who's been as hot as he is
0: i find do you guys find he doesn't walk as much as most good hitters do you mean the one percent in may is not impressing you on the walk rate <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah even even before his his, his hot streak like I, I find uh, we we for we tend to forget he's yeah he doesn't walk very much and I'm just curious to know how that's going to impact his like overall offensive production like when when we look back at like the end of a year or something like that
1: well I mean I guess it sort of depends there's the difference between guys who swing a lot. Or, and guys who swing a lot at pitches in the strike zone. Because, you know, it, what Travis is such a good contact bat that as long as he's not chasing out of the zone a ton, which <clears it's> not, <throat> is not. He, is he, yeah, exactly. His out of the zone swing rate is 31.5%, which is not bad. It's actually pretty normal. But he just makes such good contact and keeps the ball in play that he doesn't get to three, four balls very often.
0: He, right. So my observation is one of uh, he is still a true spray hitter, as much as there is such a thing left, um, with obviously some power in the bat. But his ability to keep the ball uh, between the lines it is really his strength. Um, so he doesn't mm-hmm. need to walk, but he's not a guy who's trying to to you know yank it in into the pull field all the time, and because of that. He doesn't have to fight the shift like a lot of players do, which means he doesn't necessarily have to get the ball in the air as much as some of these other guys are trying and, and on and on. Like, he's a, he's a different kind of hitter. I think, yes, it's going to hurt him a bit um, in terms of his his batting average on balls in play is not going to be at 400 all year, uh, which it is this month. But at the same time, I, I think he could be sort of that Ichiro model of hitter where, uh, you know, he hits 310 or 320, Um with an on-base that's only 340 or 350. And I'm not talking about Prime Ichiro, who obviously hit a lot higher than that, but sort of that yeah. late career.
1: Yeah, and just to comment just specifically about his swing rates, he swings less than Pilar, even his less swingy season, less than Morales and Ray, right the same level of guys like Chilowiczki and Smoke. So, you know, it's not like he's a hacker. He just, like we said, he just makes really good contact.
0: Yeah. Well, that's comforting. <laughs> yeah, we we came to to comfort you. And and now that we're talking about contact, let's talk about baseball to hip and fist to face on my my best segue of the night. <laughs> Hunter Strickland, who uh wow, if if I held a grudge that long, I would just be exhausted. But Hunter Strickland apparently held a grudge over two home runs that Bryce Harper hit off of him in a playoff series 3 years ago. Uh threw a pitch right at Harper's hip and Harper did what I would generally expect Bryce Harper to do which is charge the mound Um, totally justified yeah uh, threw his helmet which uh, probably should have practiced that move a couple times before he tried it on another player because the (laughs) helmet may have been closer to the second baseman than the pitcher Uh, and then they threw like four punches at one another none of which appeared to land in any of the traditional punch landing ways <laughs> and then Hunter Strickland, like when they held Harper back, right? He actually got held back by Michael Morse. No, yeah, uh, so many Morse
1: people. and Samarja ran into each other, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, but, but Wait, Harper he got pulled back. Oh, Harper yeah.
0: got pulled back, and he did what most guys do when they pull back. He fought a little bit, and then he waited for things to calm down. Hunter Strickland, three players had to take him into the dugout, and he was fighting his own guys.
1: He was, yeah, and by the way, at this point, Harper was already back in the dugout. It wasn't even like he was still out on the field. I,
0: so, yeah, Strickland lost his mind uh, at some point. Um, well, I don't even know where to go with this. So, first of all, we're back to the unwritten rules, I guess. So, unwritten rule number one, how long do you get to hold a grudge and wait to hit a guy in the hip, Josh?
1: Zero pitches. It's... <laughs> <laughs> Like it's garbage. You sucked. That's what happened. You gave up bombs. You don't get to get revenge for being bad.
0: <laughs> okay, Nick. Rule unwritten rule number two. Uh, I don't even know which one. So-
2: okay, here's. I don't know where this is in the unwritten rules, but I don't know what Hunter Strickland was butthurt about. Not only did they win that series against the Nationals, that he gave up the home runs to Harper in two years ago, they won the World Series. Like, <laughs> what's he upset about?
1: <laughs> He's a crybaby. But I think we need. <laughs> there's just no excuse for Hunter Strickland. He should get the biggest suspension of everyone here,
0: just yeah, for being absolutely. dumb
1: and to set an example for all the other dummies out there.
0: Um, now, I'm not a big Posey. fan of guys charging the mound, but if if you're Bryce Harper. And I'll, I'll throw this one to Nick. If you're Bryce Harper, do you charge the mound in that situation or do you just take first base? I mean, it's it's hard to,
2: to put myself in, in his shoes given that I don't think I've bench-pressed anything in 10 years. But <laughs> um, I, I would hope he would just take first base. Um, I mean, I, I as you I'm sure you guys know like I don't see any any sense in in kind of like beanball culture and it's just like riddled with like kind of bad logic on what's reasonable and I I don't know it doesn't help anybody and if they're getting into like fights like that they are risking like breaking bones in their hands and all sorts of sh- stuff that you'd probably want to avoid if you're Bryce Harper and you're like one of the five best players in the game
1: um, at the same time, though, you know, if guys are just a lot of throw stuff at you with impunity, you have to be able to have some measure of revenge, doesn't involve throwing at somebody who didn't deserve it, right? I think his charging the mound was entirely justified. There, like the the, the league wasn't going to do anything about it. Hunter restriction wouldn't even have been ejected if Harper didn't even charge didn't charge the mound, which is the big problem. It re- relies on retaliation for for discipline to happen. Yeah, uh,
0: yeah. I, I agree. The,
2: they need to take it out of the players' hands that the the culture is such that he needs to do that or nothing will happen. Like, they should... I mean, I know it's not going to happen, but, like, give Strickland a 15-game suspension if he's going to pull that stuff. Like, it really... Like, baseball would be worse off if Bryce Harper was out for two months because he punched Hunter Strickland or...
0: Because he had a broken rib because Strickland was, yeah, you know, two, uh, eight it, inches higher. Yeah. Um, I think there was one person on the field who possibly shared your sentiment, Nick, and that person was Buster Posey. <laughs> yeah, apparently. <laughs> who deserves an award for least interested in a fight I have ever seen a catcher be in my life.
1: The Did you hear his justification for it?
0: No, I didn't.
1: Yeah, he spoke after the game. You know, just give me one second. I'll pull up the actual quote. It's, while smart does not reflect well, I'm sure there's people who are upset about this. So where are you here? Okay. Here we go. So after it happened, I kind of saw Harper point, and the next thing you know, he's going out after him. There's some big guys, tum- big guys tumbling around on the ground. You see Mike Morris, he's about as big as they come, and he was getting knocked around like a pinball. It's a little dangerous to get in there sometimes. <laughs>
0: That's not going to earn him any fans that he didn't already have, but my favorite part is when you look at the, the the stills of that and he's still like 10 feet away from everybody else he doesn't even take his helmet off like just in case there's a stray punch coming i'm keeping the catcher's <laughs> helmet
2: on
1: <laughs> well he's not wrong
2: he's not wrong
1: he's not wrong but me buster i mean he didn't even try to stop Harper from getting at his pitcher. If there's anybody in the league that you do not want to be running out at your player to try to hurt him, isn't it Bryce Harper?
0: But if he really doesn't think that Strickland had any justification at all, I'm I'm with him. It's like, you so he's what, supposed dude? to let
1: his, his guy just get pummeled on? That's yep. garbage.
0: Yeah, because your guy just did something that you wanted no part of in the first place.
1: So you deal with them later. You don't let someone beat up on your pitcher.
0: I don't know. Like if I can't... if
1: I'm Hunter Strickland, the next time Buster Bosey's pitching, he calls a curveball, I'm throwing a fastball.
2: <laughs> that sounds like something Hunter Strickland might do from, yep. from what I know.
0: <laughs> Maybe they're not friends. You don't know yeah. that necessarily.
1: Still, you gotta you gotta have your teammates back there. That's that was bad. And you know what the hilarious thing about all this is? The next game, which what? is today as we're recording this, you know the guy getting hit is going to be Buster Posey, right? Oh, yeah, my God. He's best player. <laughs> Terrible.
0: Yeah, this is why it's the stupid, is because it leads to all of this and another, hopefully just a milling around type bench clearing incident when he gets hit or whatever, but I'm still a fan of the Jose Bautista, take your base, hit a double or a home run off you next time and yap as you go around the bases
2: <laughs> yeah i i would get just i would get more enjoyment out of that kind of thing if they just like yapped at each other and nobody hit each other and they just were like basically aping each other the whole time that would you we, you'd get all the entertainment of these kind of like feuds with none of the kind of like brawling
0: indeed so enough about uh, people beating one another up. We're going to go back to baseball, and we're going to get some of these uh, questions.
2: Time now to hear from our listeners. That just seems silly.
0: Here are the rules: first, I ask a question,
2: then you ask a question.
0: Now, how does that sound, sweetheart? Could you repeat the question, please? All right, what do we got, Josh? What's our
1: past <laughs> the, the first one <laughs> from at Primo Pasta? It's no longer a Raptors thing. It's from Mitch Marnie. <laughs> oh,
0: the, they're sharing it with the leaves?
1: Marnie, wow. not Marner.
0: Oh, who's that? I don't know who that is.
1: Probably the real person. But <laughs> can the Jays actually do this? Please say yes. Ooh. They... Nick, I believe you wanted to answer this one. Yeah.
2: <laughs> uh, yes.
0: <laughs> well, that's
2: That's your answer. answer? <laughs>
1: yeah, we're starting that out. <laughs> I thought asking. you wanted to talk about this.
2: <laughs> Sorry, sorry, I lost you. What'd you say? Can they do this? Which is
1: can they win it? Can, can they go they to win? the playoffs?
2: Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. I, I just think it's important that um, we we just need to frame it that it's it's still a a big hill to climb. I don't think they're out of it by any means, but um, they've got to play really good for a really long time. Um, which is hard for any team. And the Jays are a good team, so it's it's not impossible. But um. Yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting season, and I'm I'm really curious to know kind of how the next month of baseball plays out, and just even just imagine think about how how we felt at the end of April. Now how how we feel about the end at the end of May. There's <laughs> there's been some pretty uh, drastic pendulum swinging in kind of like the mood around the team, and uh, I guess that's that's partly the nature of the long season. But yeah, it's it's possible, but it's it's still a uh, it's still a pretty tall order and it would be pretty 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 miraculous for them to to take the division given given the hole okay. they dug. Yep.
0: I, I think the 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 thing I have not looked up because I can't think of a convenient way to look it up is has a team ever gone into the all star break at three at around five hundred within a game or two, three years in a row, and come out in the playoffs all three of those years? Because that's essentially what we're looking for the Blue Jays to manage for a third year in a row, and it, it, that's where I'm really hesitant.
1: You know, I, I, yeah, understand. I don't know that, that, but I don't know that that's all that predictive. I mean, why does it really matter what happened in 2015 or 2016? All that really matters is the 2017 Blue Jays. So the three years in a row, while it's like a fun trivia thing, I, you know, just because they've done it two years in a row, doesn't make the third year any more or less likely, does it?
0: I just don't think, okay, but it wasn't likely in the first two times. We've acknowledged that over and over again, right? That that, that in 2015, yeah. the August to September run was crazy. And that last year, uh, you know, rising up to the wildcard the his- when they looked like they were in real trouble. So there we are again. But the I historical
1: think people, aspect of it doesn't really matter, right?
0: But fans have come to sort of expect, oh, well, now that we're around 500 by the All-Star break, we can do this. And it's like, well, I don't think that there's any real precedent for that Overall, I think most teams that are around 500 at the All-Star break end up around 500. That there's nothing special mm-hmm. about the Blue Jays that indicates that they should always do well in August and September.
1: Correct. It's
0: a All tall right, next hill.
1: question. All right. <laughs> From Connor Moore at the Seahound, what will be remembered as the more legendary trade? Diaz for Bautista or the package that went to Oakland for Donaldson?
0: Um I'm at Diaz for Bautista. Num- number yep. one, because Bautista, e- even if Donaldson sticks around and signs an extension, which I don't know necessarily will happen, Bautista is already cemented in some of the better postseason moments from the franchise and lasted so long. And it's a simple one-for-one trade that looks like you can't go, well, this piece was meant to turn into that and this. And-. No, it one-for-one. One. And Bautista was so much better. Than anybody ever thought it could be, and so much better than Diaz, who is, I think, coaching somewhere now.
1: I don't know how to add to that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you agree, then? Yep. <laughs> and I, Would you I, like to read one? Yeah, sure. Uh, Robin at Mustard. Robin. New question, as here. Most of us have heard about Bobichet and Vlad Jr. Uh, but who is the next guy on the Blue Jays we should be paying more attention to? And, and you did clarify there um, they're looking for someone in the minors other than those two guys who we might we might be excited about. Uh, yeah, so
1: not like the next guy in Buffalo.
0: Right. So you know me and minor league guys. Go ahead, Josh. Answer this one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I mean, obviously the, the obvious answer is Anthony Alford, who just broke his hand, who's very much on the cusp of the big leagues and a top prospect he was raking in double a before the call he's probably the guy but on the other side there's sean reed foley who's not having the best start to double a but he's you know on baseball perspectives his top 10 list he came in number one for the blue jays so yeah he's those two are the guys that you're expecting and then lourdes guriel who's not no one really knows no what to do with him he's been injured all season but he's probably the next one today
2: sean reed Foley. Foley is the most wrestler-sounding baseball player name I think in the. He's got a big system, wrestling mustache
1: too. Oh, does he? Perfect. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, things we if, know about. If you're looking for a kind of like post hype sleeper, uh, for the time being, I think Max Pentecost is uh, not injured and doing well in single A, I believe. Yeah, he's in Dunedin. Um, yeah, so he he was once a a, a top pick. Um, and the uh, kind of one of the jewels of the system. So if, if he can stay healthy uh, and they move Russ Martin to third base, uh, he
0: might be the uh, catcher of the future, TM.
1: Or Danny <laughs> Jensen. <laughs>
0: uh, where's Leb hanging out? He's in AAA. Oh, uh, well, so he's probably, probably uh, post prospect status then for him.
1: I don't know if he's ever had it. He's just having he's having a very good season, but he's not a guy that's ever been thought of as a top prospect. Which Indeed. uh Jesse Goldberg's wrestler alerted to when he was on our podcast last week. Mm-hmm. Or two weeks ago. Uh
0: so Brian asks uh our old buddy Brian, where or how do we apply for Tulo to officially be our dad? Uh <laughs> where, did you did you have a, a write-in campaign or something set up Nick, Some ballots or some paperwork.
2: <laughs> Uh, no, all you need to do is go to a baseball diamond somewhere and start working on your swing or taking grounders and Tulo will emerge <laughs> Give it enough time he'll he'll emerge. He'll kind of hang out on the fence and he'll he'll give you some tips and then through through that process you will become one of Tulo's many adopted sons. I, I think that's how it works.
0: And then he passes back through the cornfield. Is that how that works? It's- just exactly opt
2: to help some other youngster with their uh, <laughs> their fielding technique
0: or hitting
1: uh, or yeah, hitting. yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: um, All what right. else we
1: got here's one from roots Helmet at roots Helmet do you think April Kevin Pillar will keep showing up at the plate what's your ideal lineup construction with JD and Tulo back
0: do I think April Pilar will show up? I think April Pilar has the potential to show back up. I, I would think that his rough rough patch might be time to move him out of the leadoff spot and take some pressure off of him now that you've got guys who can come back. What would be my... I, I would, believe it or not, I would probably lead off Jose Bautista at this point because I'm crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, so Bautista, Donaldson, um, mm, Tulo morales martin travis uh pilar and whoever you got in my field depending on how good he is
1: so you are smoke hitting nine
0: <laughs> uh, i forgot smoke that's i'm trying to do it on my head <laughs> so yeah bump everybody down one stick smoking uh in the three slot
1: wow that was, that was an unusual one <laughs> yep yeah. You're you're
2: convinced smoke can hit third.
0: Yes. Oh, nice. And you, what do you got?
2: I'd probably go. I don't mind Batista leading off. Um, and it's, it's not so much even the the on base. It's the, it's just better to have when the lineup turns over. Just have those guys up, get those guys up right away. They're your best hitters. So yeah, I'd, I'd go Batista, Batista, JD, uh. Kendris, Tulo, Smoke, Martin, Travis, inanimate carbon rod in left field.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was
0: not aware we had signed an inanimate carbon rod, but uh, I've heard he's uh, capable of uh, things pinging off of him.
2: Um. Yeah, it, it's a replacement <laughs> level rod.
0: Oh, right. We don't want to pay extra for a rod. That's really not going to be any better than your standard. Rod, um, <laughs> should I ask her out of left field question from uh, Baseball Her? Sorry, yeah, what was that? Should, should I ask the out of left field question here from Baseball Her, Josh?
1: Yeah, go for it.
0: So the, uh, this is not baseball related, uh, but I'm supposed to ask Nick about that time you opened for cake in Hamilton because she was at that concert. Now, to be to be clear, Ball Hurt denies ever listening to our podcast except for the one time. So you can answer whatever you like here. Um, oh i thought i i misheard you again i thought it was a question about left field um
2: but yeah i don't think we've ever opened for cake in hamilton uh <laughs> we we've, we've definitely seen the band cake when they played in hamilton
1: <laughs> this is amazing
2: <laughs> yeah we're we're big fans i, I love john mccray but um no we we've never opened for cake un- unfortunately um that was the
1: best possible answer you could have given i'm being honest
2: it was i remember the show it was at hamilton place um and we were surprised because that was at a time when like not even many
0: bands came through hamilton but uh yeah it was a it was a good show they're, they're a great band does she have the Arcals confused with the arcade fire is that who opened for cake in hamilton
2: oh no i don't think so and <laughs> i I know it's bad but i i 100 missed the opener whoever it was
0: oh no you, you meant that. So maybe it, actually the RTLs went on without you? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, and our final question from Quinn How many potential swing and a drive uh, that for the game, he means calls, did I get in the game last night? Uh, how many did you get, Josh? You...
1: There were at least two and probably more. I mean, I, I just stopped tuning into what Buck was saying <laughs> <part> way through. <laughs> but man, so like on Buck or sorry on martin's home run he missed that completely called it like a fly ball yeah and then two badges later travis's fly ball which did not even make it to the warning track he called that like a home run
0: yeah he gave that the get up ball treatment
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and but... there were a few more later and it was not a great showing
0: no it was fantastic because i need material for this game so you be you Buck. <laughs> mid-season form oh did we skip any questions
1: um. Yeah, there was one more from Quinn. Or sorry, from Brian, and he was just asking who he thinks will get traded for help at the deadline. I, but I don't really know how we could answer that. It would really, really depend on what the situation is, right?
0: Yeah. Uh, injuries and uh, and who's hot and who's not, I guess, would be. And
1: like how close you are, and yeah. you know, like what kind of player you're trying to get, right?
0: Um. We'll just say Rowdy Tellez was likely to be traded.
1: <laughs> All right.
2: <laughs> oh, for for Granderson. That's that's my. Uh, Cheap, cheap deadline, left field solution. Curtis Granderson. The Grandy okay. Man for, for
0: the rowdy guy. All right.
1: It'll be Jay Bruce. <laughs> <Okay>. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know,
0: uh, we know the feelings are about Jay Bruce around the club, so obviously. Uh, are we ready for a do-over? I'm ready for a do-over.
1: Let's do it. Oh, my God. Did he really just say that? We can try again, right?
2: You talking about a do-over, baby? Are you talking about a do-over?
0: We believe in second chances. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, since we were talking about Buck and uh, Tabler, we, we have some some wisdom and some interesting observation from Buck here. It's it's 28 seconds of, of pure nonsense. Of course, I have to get it to play first, don't I?
1: Remember last year when everybody wrinkled their brow when the announcement that Smoke had signed the two-year extension? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. What a stroke of genius and. Certainly a terrific insurance policy, but now he has become the leader in home runs and RBI. Swing it, Russell. Go ahead and swing it, man. Martin <laughs> swinging it great. Here's a close play at second, and he's going to be tagged out.
0: Okay. Uh, I remember furrowing my the second my part of that first. You want to do the second part first? Just because
1: it's fun. Go for it.
0: Okay. Russell Martin did not even attempt a slide. This was so far from being a close play. He actually tried to do some sort of, like, orbit the base and hope that the second baseman went the wrong way. There was no chance Russell was safe at all. Um, it was a play, play in the vicinity of second base, if you want to say it was a close play.
1: <laughs> but yeah, It was close uh, to the base? <laughs> yes.
0: But it was not close to being a hit. So, yes, he... He got thrown out
1: by. A he was mile. out by twenty feet.
0: Yeah, <laughs> twenty he feet. He was out by. So I don't know where where that popped in Buck's mouth, but that was great. Uh, we can go back to the first part, Josh. I remember you furrowing your brow uh, at the smoke
1: <laughs> extension. So yeah, it's what you want to say that the Justin Smoke signing at, at the moment looks good. Yeah, no problem. But a stroke of genius. Like, oh, what a great move. Okay, does Buck not remember how bad Justin Smoke was last year after that contract was signed? Two months does not a contract make. And also just the, the, the notion that oh yeah, no, they knew this is what was gonna happen. It's like, um, I don't think so. I think even the most optimistic projections for Justin Smoke did not have him doing this.
0: I don't think Justin Smoke thought Justin Smoke was gonna hit like this. Yeah. <laughs> uh yeah, because he would have held out for a lot more if Justin Smoke thought he was this
1: good back then. Yeah. Well that's <laughs> the funny part too. it's like, oh we own it was a good insurance policy. Okay. Do you really think after the season he had last year, if he'd hit free agency, he gets two years, eight and a half million dollars? <laughs> Not a chance.
0: Yeah, that is some strange hindsight there, and uh, cheerleading on the top of uh, from bug and and the horse laugh and tabler is like they're all right on the same page. Like, wow, we knew it was going to be just like this. Sure. <gasps> no, you didn't. <laughs> uh, oh, I guess so I great. guess you get to liking players, and you don't want them to be bad, and then when they're good, you're really happy. But maybe you shouldn't get to liking players on a personal level or something. But you say stuff like this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, here's the do-over, uh, Buck, Tabby, if either of you would like to come on the show and just admit that, uh, nobody, including Justin Smoke, thought he would be this good, and it's lucky happenstance, not an act of genius that has got us to this point, uh, we'd be happy to have you on. And then we wouldn't talk about this ever again. Uh, but you're still going to get trouble for that was a close play at second.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's do-over free. You can't have that one back.
0: Oh. Oh, it was good fun. Uh... One of our usual targets is always more fun than a new target. I think. Okay, I think uh, we are going to move to the final thought portion of the program. So, uh, Nick, did you have a final thought?
2: Yeah, I was uh, telling you guys before we went on. I'm uh, I'm really excited. Vado is in Toronto this week. Um, I think he's such an interesting player. Uh, his his like ever changing approach to hitting is been very well chronicled. If you look up any of like the long form interviews he's done with people at Fangraphs, or he uh, did one on ESPN. I forget who wrote the story, just all about his kind of like philosophical approach and to hitting and how, how it, it it seems to like change yearly, whether he's like, you know, this year he's cut down on his strikeouts. And like last year he started choking up and uh, attacking counts or attacking like the play differently, depending on like what count he was in. Um, He's just, I just, he's just such an interesting hitter. I love his kind of like, his his kind of like hilarious like interactions with fans and and the comments he makes. Like they're always just, they're always hilarious, but just awkward enough to know that they they aren't like pre-scripted or or, or thought out. Like when he was telling the kid uh, he couldn't have his batting gloves because he was sitting in the first row and he was too elite. <laughs> um yeah. I, I just there's just so much entertaining stuff about Joey Votto, and um I'm just really glad he gets to to play in Toronto and we we get to watch him for a few days. Um play the Jays. So yeah. All right. Votto Votto doesn't give away outs, don't give away your chance to see him in person at the uh, at the Rogers
1: Center.
0: That's gonna be the next commercial. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> you have a final thought, Mr. Josh.
1: It's more of a final thought for you specifically. The last few podcasts, you've been a little distraught <laughs> that you haven't even been able to consider that the Jays could be 500 for the next one. They're three games under 500, Greg. Ooh. They got the time to do it.
0: So, you mean next next podcast, we could actually seriously talk about the Jays, potentially, whether they could make the playoffs or not. We sort of touched on it this week, but but ultimately we could have that as a topic. <laughs> According to my yeah. my self made rule, well, stay right. hot, guys, because <laughs> <laughs> uh, we we could use that. As the, I'm sure people are clamoring for that conversation. Um, <laughs> my final thought is uh, on Brian Price. Now, I have I have three different versions of this quote from Brian Effing Price, who I believe last made mention on this podcast with a like two minute profanity soaked rant um, about how the beat writers were not helping the reds which of course is not the beat writers job um
1: they... and because he didn't take our do-over we get to mention it again yeah sure. um,
0: so <laughs> red skipper brian price yesterday uh was a little more eloquent uh he was asked about the 17-2 loss and he said something i've got three different versions i said but basically it could have been worse their third base coach was compassionate and didn't keep wheeling guys in the score <laughs>
1: <laughs> there were definitely some late in the game. Travis's fourth hit, I think it was, easily could have scored two runs. But they're like, nah, we'll just stop him at third.
0: Yeah, it's okay. Y'all just, we don't want anybody to be hurt and or embarrassed. Yeah, there was some serious station to station or slightly less baseball uh, going on there. Um, which I, I, I like that he appreciated that and, and <laughs> called it out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, play hard, but, but not so hard that it hurts everybody. So that was very cool. Um, We do, of course, have to at some point mention that we have a Patreon uh, because uh, that's a big help to us. And if you're fans of the podcast, we would love your help to make the podcast better. So you can go to www.patreon.com slash TurfPod. Check out the uh, rewards and and different contribution levels. You can join in there. Uh, And that means that this has been, of course... Artificial Turf Wars, episode number 59, with you, Joshua Housem, at Joshua Housem, and you, Nick Dyka, at Nick Dyka, and me, Greg Wisniewski, at CoolHead2010. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next week.